with us. And uh, I know we have several first-time guests here today. We're glad that you're with us and return guests. Remember, if you are a first-time guest, inside the gift bag uh, that you received, there is a white guest card. So uh, at the end of the service, we'll have an opportunity to give back to the Lord. We'd just love it if you could uh, you know, fill that out and drop it in the offering plate. That would be an awesome gift to us. We'd love to get to know you more. Thank you for coming today. Uh, we're in a sermon series called, uh, well, it's called The Seven Realities of HBF. It's dealing with some of our core values and really our DNA, why we do what we do. And this is the last, um, I call it sermon. It's actually a series, it's a mini-series uh, on, a, on a, the last reality, uh, dealing with real war zones is what we call it. And uh, I'll delve into that just a little bit more in just a moment. But I just uh, appreciate everybody being here as you're getting ready and oriented. Just please turn your Bibles to Amos chapter 8. The uh, 8th chapter of the book of Amos. I'll give you a few minutes to get there. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you can find one in the seat rack in front of you. If you're one of our guests and received a guest bag, you can grab a Bible from that guest bag. Turn to page 1,227. That'll put you right where we're going to be here in just a few moments. And it is great uh, to see you today. I, you know, I know that some might be wondering, are we still going to be on with the luncheon? Yes, we are. We're doing it. And uh, we got a, got the big top tent. And uh, I, I'm going to try to get you out on time, right, so we can get into the, the grub, and, and uh, it's going to be a good time. But uh, for the next few moments, I want to focus on what God would have us uh, doing here in the Word of God as we get ready for that delicious cookout after church. And uh, I'm really thankful, actually, because uh, I, I think the Lord will kind of take the temperature down a little bit. It could be steaming hot today in August, and uh, it's going to be beautiful. I think it's going to be great. So... Um, okay, so we've been working through uh, this seventh reality, real churches impact real war zones, which sounds a little, uh, well, masculine, doesn't it? So, hey, praise the Lord. Last, last time, uh, you know, we got together, uh, uh, I wasn't here. So I was preaching down in Clinton and dealing with a, uh, not dealing with, I had the privilege and opportunity to check in with uh, the church plant in Clinton, um, which is now established. They have their own building uh, for those that didn't know that, praise God, they're they're underway and um, and doing well. Uh, they've been they've been in uh, operation now. God's uh, had them growing for four years, so uh, we had a good outreach, a good luncheon. And while I was down there and uh, being encouraged and encouraging uh, the body in Clinton, uh, Doug Howie was here, right? And it was no accident that God had brought Doug in right in the midst of this this actual. Uh, point that God is taking us through regarding real war zones, and of course, his uh, his location uh, in the field is right next to a real war zone, and he's engaging, uh, obviously, and has engaged with some of those that are affected directly by the war that's going on in Ukraine. And so, I don't think that's an accident. I think God uh, did that because that's exactly what He wants to remind us of, and He wants us to understand that there are real battles. And not all of them are obviously physical, but the physical battles like that, big wars that break out and so on and so forth, are just a, they're indicative of a, of a bigger spiritual battle. And, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. But I want to jump back into our sermon series today and get back on track with where we left off last time. And I'll do a little review in just a moment. But before we do that, let's just stand. Uh, hopefully now we found the book of Amos uh, chapter 8. And I'm not going to read it all to you, but I want to pick it up in verse... 11, Amos chapter 8 and verse 11, Amos 8 verse 11, it says uh, at the paragraph mark there, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor of thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, from north even to the east. They shall run to and fro and seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. In that day shall the fair virgins and the young men faint for thirst. They that swear by the uh, the sin of Samaria and say, uh, Thy God, O Dan, liveth, and the manner of Beersheba liveth, even they shall fall and never rise again. Heavenly Father, as we uh, come together this morning, Lord, we uh, have been reminded through the praise, Lord, to cast all our care on you. Lord, we talk about bringing all our needs to you in prayer. Heavenly Father, it is a privilege to come before your throne today and know that you hear us because Jesus Christ, our high priest, is our advocate. He's our propitiation. Uh, Lord, you tell us to come boldly before the throne of grace. And Lord, we do, we do need mercy. We do need grace. Lord, we are a needy people. Lord, I pray today as we come before your throne that we would set all other distractions aside. 
Lord, that the Word of God would speak to our hearts in a mighty way because you're a mighty God. And I pray, God, you would stir the hearts of your people to accomplish your mission according to your will, that we would recognize who we are in Christ so that we can accomplish that which you've saved us to do. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for our weakness, for we know that it's in our weakness that you are made strong. And we pray today as we look into the Word of God that you would be glorified. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We love you. We praise you. We honor you today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So God spoke these words to the ten tribes after years and years and years of willing disobedience. Willing disobedience. They were warnings. And he was warning them uh, and attempting, of course, once more through Amos to appeal to the heart, the stony heart that might be broken by the Word of God, that might be contrite enough to receive God's Word. You know, a couple of weeks ago, as I entered this last message about you know how real Christians impact real war zones, I opened with that video by David Platt, and it was a good video. And it was catered uh, to Americans. Um, and it, it ultimately is about leveraging our financial resources, our wealth, Right to get the gospel to the underprivileged world. And uh, there's nothing, I want to be careful here, there's nothing wrong at all with leveraging uh, the financial blessings that God has given us uh, to get the gospel to the uttermost. We actually should do that, and we, we are endeavoring to do that. Uh, so we should certainly utilize those financial blessings and get the gospel where it needs to go on time. But having said that, just kind of to balance this a little bit on the other side, Laying a guilt trip on the body of Christ here in the U.S. is not actually going to do anything you know, significant to affect the change that God calls us to have in the world because affluence is not the answer. Money is never the answer. It's ultimately the, the thing that people need the most is what we just read about in Amos, is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we shouldn't help people that are starving, and we shouldn't help people that need clean water. We should do all those things. Uh, that's a, that, lost people can do those things too, right? But we can do one thing that, that others can't do, and that is bring the word of life, right? We have the words of life. We are uniquely called, saved, sanctified, and sent to get the gospel where it needs to go on time. And because of that, we need to be about that business. In addition to all the other things that we can do in leveraging uh, you know, the resources God gives us for the cause of Christ. Jesus didn't die on the cross just to save the underprivileged um, or the affluent. He came to save sinners. And that's where all men are common, right? Whether rich or poor, hungry or full, all men are sinners. And Jesus came to save sinners. And of course, as Paul said, uh, whom I am chief, right? And so if you're born again, you've gotten in on that grace and at the end of the day, men and women are either lost or they're either saved, right? You're, there's, no, there's no two ways around it. You're not getting saved. I've been hearing a lot. I just watched some, you know, one of those uh, I Am Second videos. Uh, some dude who used to play for Journey, and I got to the end of it. I'm like, man, I'm afraid this, this fellow's still lost. I mean, he's still not saved. I'm worried about him. He's talking about God, talking about the Father in heaven, but I'm like, man, where, where's Jesus in this? Where, where is the Savior, right? And, and I don't mean that to, to knock what he said. I appreciate the guy. I really am sincerely like, man, God, I hope someone gets the gospel of this guy in time. If, if I, unless I'm reading that wrong, I'm not sure he's saved. And so um, I'm like, wow, it's, it's tragic. We got to get the gospel where it needs to go. And, and today there's a lot of people trying to work their way to heaven, right? A lot of people that want to do good things, trying to merit favor with God uh, to be saved. And there's no way to do that our best efforts, right? They, they fall short of the glory of God because God's standards perfection. So the only way to have that relationship with Jesus Christ is through his son who has already taken care of the sin debt 2,000 years ago. And so we have to acknowledge that so that we can be saved. But once we get saved, and today I'm talking to the body of Christ, people who are born again, right? God brings us through this process. We've been looking at these realities, right? Where we understand the need of others. We put others ahead of ourselves in short. And so the whole, those realities bring us to the place that we grow and we mature to the point that we're really, we're really willing, right? To give of ourselves as much as we can, like Jesus has saved us to do, to give of ourselves for the sake of others. That brings us to real leadership and that brings us to real battles. And that brings a church to real war zones because you have a small army of people 
who are actually really ready to engage with the gospel. And by God's grace, that's who we are. That's why we're going through this series. We want to be those people. Not Laodiceans, although we're in Laodicea and we all wrestle with Laodicea. I do, you do, we all do. We're all a little wishy-washy at times. But we want to be hot for God, right? We want to be on fire for Jesus. We want to, we want to let the Word dwell in us richly in all wisdom. We want our, our affection set on things above, not on the things of this earth. We want, our, we want, our, uh, you know, we want to let the, 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 the dross of this world be burned off now and so that we can appear at the judgment seat of Christ knowing that Jesus says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And, uh, you know, and we're not uh, ashamed for what we have missed. And so as we look at this text and we think about what was going on with Samaria, it wasn't such a good situation. Because when the gospel is rejected in a culture, there are consequences. When, when the gospel is not received, there's consequences as well. When the gospel, you know, when, when the gospel is rejected in a culture, there, those consequences can be dire. The Ninevites, if you know much about the Ninevites, uh, there's a book called Jonah. Uh, they were the, that was, the, that was the, the seat of where the Assyrian Empire was, and the Ninevites were the enemies of Israel. Jonah didn't want to go to them because he knew that they uh, had destroyed his people, and he didn't like them. And, and so, uh, there was a season of reprieve as Jonah showed up, and I'm not going to re-preach the book of Jonah, but he was a reluctant missionary. But he finally got where God told him to go, and he finally preached the message God wanted him to preach, and Allah, you know, everyone got saved. I mean, literally, in an Old Testament sense, they repented, and, and God gave them a season of grace, but it didn't last in Nineveh. It didn't last. God wanted them to, to repent. God wanted them. They were, you know, the nation of Israel wasn't doing so hot either. That's why God allowed the Assyrians to come and, and destroy uh, the ten tribes of the north. They almost destroyed all of Judah, but, but because of Hezekiah, Hezekiah's faith in Isaiah the prophet and the promises of God's word, God preserved Judah and Jerusalem until, of course, Babylon came in. Assyria was overtaken by the Babylonians. And what we have is literal wars. We have Assyrians fighting Egyptians and then Babylonians fighting Assyrians, and we have all this geopolitical turmoil. And the people of God are almost, uh, in a geopolitical sense, you know, they're so they are so out of it. They're so caught up in paganism. They're so far away from the will of God that they don't even make a difference. Although, in the backstory, in the in retrospect, as we look at the Bible, we know that God was actually working to fulfill His plan for His people and ultimately for all people through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's in all of this transition and spiritual power between geopolitical powers <clears throat> that we see the root issue ultimately was what? Well, it was, it was obedience to God's word. Ultimately, that's what was going on. There was a consequence for not obeying the words of God. There was a consequence for not fulfilling the mission of God. See, God was clear in his preaching through the prophet Isaiah and Jeremiah and others who would um, <clears throat> would come to the Jews and even the Gentiles and make light of God's word. But none of them really believed or took heed to the warnings of Scripture. I mean, there were prophets that were sent that, would, that, that boldly proclaimed, this is what's going to happen if you don't repent. And going back to the Civil War, as far back as uh, Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and forgive me if you are not you know, versed on the Old Testament history, so I'll try to make it as brief as I can. But there, there were two kings uh, that, that rose after Solomon uh, died, and, and, and there's a crisis at that time in observing the words of God. And clearly, it's clearly stated over and over again in the Bible, in the, in the first five books, that you're not to have any other gods. You're not to worship, right, I mean, God brought the children of Israel in the promised land. He tore down the idols. He established them in there. Why? So they could worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They set up the, 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 the tabernacle in Shiloh. And, and, of course, during the time of Judges, they, again, they dropped the word of God. And there were consequences when they didn't fulfill the word of God, when they were faithless and not believing. God's people suffered. I was just talking with Pastor Rajan, and, and he told me that, uh, of course, in 2008, and I'll get to this in a moment, I'm going to share more with you, but when the Maoists came in, 
Uh, he goes, it was just because we, uh, we Christians uh, who had suffered so much under persecution and we prayed and we sought God's relief, God brought relief. We had revival. He goes, and then we went, went to sleep. And then God allowed the Maoists to come in. And then we had another re- revival. And now Pastor Rajan is saying, pray for us that we don't fall asleep again. Because he knows what it will come if they don't continue and they don't fulfill the mission of God. And so it's, it's important. Israel was much like that, right? And, of course, we know God brought David, and after David, Solomon. And the nation was at this, this, this apex, right? It was, it was a time in the life of, of Israel when they, they literally, the whole world was coming. You won't learn this in your secular history, but the Bible records that everyone, all the kingdoms of the earth, they were coming to, to hear the wisdom of Solomon. They, all of that was why, so that the words of God, the, 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 that the world would understand there is a God in heaven, and, his, and it's, it's Jehovah God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He wanted the, the world to know and magnify him, and he will continue with that plan uh, in the millennium with the nation of Israel. But, but, what happened? Well, there, there became a, a major problem. Jeroboam not only allowed, but endorsed the worship of pagan gods in Dan and, and Bethel. A little seed of paganism crept its way all the way up from Judges, all the way up to the time of Solomon. In 1 Kings twelve twenty nine. the Bible tells us that Rehoboam, among other mistakes, uh, allowed, and, and not only allowed, but endorsed, wanted the children of Israel not to go to Jerusalem, as the Word of God says to do, but to worship in Dan, these, these calves, golden calves, just like when they exited uh, Egypt and were judged for that. Uh, golden calves in Dan and Bethel. Ironically, Bethel means house of God. Isn't that, that's blasphemous. It, it would be like taking the church right now, taking what God has intended us to do on, a, on the first day of the week, which is seek his face and to, to, and, and to seek our own um, place before the Lord Jesus Christ, to bring our contrite heart before the Lord and ask the Lord uh, you know, w- uh, and evaluate where we are with him and what we're doing here in advancing the mission of God and our own sanctification, our own holiness. And, and what all this is designed to do is ultimately worship God and glorify God and put ourselves on the altar because he put himself on the altar so that we can be effectual and, and fervent in our prayer and, the, and it will avail much. What if we took all that and turned it upside down and we made it about us? You know, or, or we turned the praise into some sort of rock show, man, and, and you know, we just got, it was all about just us. And we just made it about us. And we forgot to seek the Lord. Man, that's, that, we put up idols in our hearts and things like that. You know, God wouldn't be pleased with that. God would not be pleased. And so he wasn't pleased with Israel. Uh, He wasn't pleased with the ten tribes of the north who ended up breaking off with Jeroboam and divided. You know, physical wars and war zones are simply a physical manifestation of a spiritual war that's already underway. And in the case of Israel, during that time of Solomon, Jeroboam, and Rehoboam, God placed Israel as close to accomplishing the Old Testament mission as Israel will see until the Lord Jesus returns to establish his kingdom on earth in Jerusalem in the coming day of the Lord. And the unwillingness to submit to the will of God would ultimately lead the ten tribes of the north who sided with Jeroboam and his pagan idols to go into captivity in 740 to 722 B.C. under the, under the rule of the Assyrians as God used that pagan nation to bring judgment. So they continued the priesthood And God favored Judah and Benjamin uh, to the south. And they too eventually would go into captivity under Babylon who defeated what seemed like the undefeatable Assyrians. But nonetheless, in 606 B.C., just as Jeremiah said and prophesied as well as other prophets, Israel went into captivity under Nebuchadnezzar. Now, you might be going, Brian, what is the point of all this history? I'm getting there. My point in this history lesson is that we live in a great time right now of geopolitical turmoil. Now, we have been living under geopolitical turmoil, haven't we, for a long time. The First World War was supposed to end all wars. That didn't work. So then we had a Second World War. And then since then, we've had more wars and more wars. And it's a great business, a great industry. And a lot of people get rich sending men to war. 
there are real battles that really ought to be fought, and, and, and many don't even understand what's really going on. And I'm not saying I understand everything, but I do know that really what's going on is God is positioning powers and people and all of that ultimately for a war that will come where he will end all wars. He really will come, and that's the second coming of Christ. And so there's a lot of things working out in, in real battles. I mean, talk, I'm talking tangible, real bullets flying or persecution, whatever it may be, all over the planet, some of which we don't even hear about. Places like Africa, the Middle East. What happened in Afghanistan? We forgot all about that. What happened to those Christians? You know, things just keep on rolling. But there's real battles. And I'm not, and I'm going to be careful here, guys. I'm not making geopolitical comments. This isn't a right or left discussion. We're looking at the Lord right now. He's the king. But God wasn't pleased. He wasn't pleased at all with what his people were doing. And based on God's prophetic timetable... You know what, Christians, we really need to wake up and be clothed with humility, anoint our eyes with eye salve, and really just take all of our chips, for you gamblers in the house, because I know none of you gamble. So take all of our chips and push them into the table and say, Jesus, listen, I'm in for you. That's it. That's, that's it. That is the only viable place to put your chips. Right? Crypto is going to let you down. Housing market, you aren't going to be able to keep up with it. I'm just telling you guys, the only place to put your chips is with Jesus. It's the only place. The kingdom of God. And it behooves all of us then to know as much as we can about what God has said about the kingdom of God. It behooves all of us to know what God is doing on the, in this world so we can engage it in a way that it makes a difference for all of eternity. But also what's coming up on us in the short order. Right, Because it is desperate, not just overseas, it's desperate here, it's desperate everywhere, because there's a famine, a, a famine in hearing the words of God. It wasn't like Israel didn't have access to God's words, that was not the problem. The issue was hearing the words of God, doing what the Word of God says. It, it, that is what we need to make sure we focus on in the church of God in the days in which we live. And specifically, I'm not responsible, by the way, for all the other churches in Harrisonville. I'm not responsible for the churches in the Living Faith Fellowship other than to love and encourage and edify. But I, I do have some responsibility there. But, the, I mean, I'm not responsible for all the other churches except for this one at the judgment seat of Christ. And so I want to make sure we're squared away. And we're fighting real battles. And we're engaged where God wants us to be engaged. Because in the course of time, Israel discontinued fighting their enemies and expanding the inheritance of the 12 tribes. This is what happened so subtly. There was a day when they existed. They existed to, to, to deal with this, this, this uh, buffer of enemies that was around them. It wasn't a buffer. They're, they created a buffer under David. There was a, there was a war, that, a real battle that had to be engaged to, to get the mission going. David realized that going all the way back, and we've talked about that in our previous sermons, about how David recognized this is not God's will. This is not what God intended. So let's go out and do what God wants us to do by faith. Who cares about equipment? Who cares about all that? Let's go. It's like a church plant. You just charge hell with a squirt gun, trusting God to do something. And guess what? He does it. You're like, whoa. But what happened was, well, man, they accomplished that mission. And then God brought Solomon on the throne. And man, you know, there was, a, there was definitely not just peace, but a ring of peace. Picture the millennial reign of Christ. But the mission was to continue to go forward. And there was always going to be enemies because God promised that those enemies were left there. Why? So the next generation would learn how to war. Because having war is important in regard to understanding that there is a spiritual battle going on. You always have an adversary. As I've mentioned in previous messages, when you're born again, you are born into a war. You were in a war, maybe you didn't recognize it. And that's, you know, for me, that's how I got saved. I finally realized, man, I'm losing the battle. I'm losing the war. I'm already lost. I, I didn't think there was any more grace left. Man, I thank God gave me more grace and I got saved. Maybe you're here this morning and that's where you're at. I mean, you, you know you're losing the war. It ain't a physical battle. It's a spiritual one. And you don't think God will receive you. you he, won't, he, don't, he has no more grace left. He, has, he does have more grace. You don't have enough sin to out his grace. But you do have to be willing to come to him and receive the gift of eternal life.
So even God uh, restored the greatness under David and Solomon, and, and he allowed the affluence and the internal division to dis- they, I'm sorry, allowed the affluence and internal division to destroy their unity and progress in the bigger battle of getting the, the world exposed to the glory of God and understanding who the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was. And you guys know all that. That's all Old Testament history. But Jesus said this. Jesus said this in Mark 3.23 and Luke 11.17. First he said in Mark 3.25, he says, And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. You can't fight a battle if everybody's divided. Right? If there's a real battle, let's just take a physical battle. If this, like, say our nation came under attack, the last thing you could do in a nation, like the United States, right, is have division. Because a house cannot stand if you're divided. We all know American history, the Civil War. This nation almost folded, right? Because there was such a great division. What makes any nation strong is unity, right? And so division is going to divide. So that's, that's not only true of a nation, that's true of a house. Jesus said, if, and if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. In Luke eleven seventeen, he says, but he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against uh, house falleth. So Jeroboam and Rehoboam split a long time before the house fell, but there was a division there that existed. And eventually, the devil got an advantage. And beloved, that's exactly what we're, we're here to do, is, is, is make sure we mend, right, the fence, right, so to speak. We stand as a hedge. We stand in the gap. And we bring people, we reconcile them to Christ. How? Through the word of God, the, the, the word of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. Beloved, what many Christians don't understand is they worry about this and we worry about that. And I'll put me in there too. There's things to worry about. Is that you're actually the glue. What keeps people together? What keeps things going? What keeps the wheels on the wagon? Beloved, is the bride of Christ. Beloved, you are the last best thing going on right now in the world. The church of the living God, the the born-again believers, we're the last people that need to fret because we're the only people that are riding with Jesus, or are we? Are we allowing the things of this world to get in our hearts and divide us from the truth of God's Word, get us sidetracked on other things, get us on other situations that that ultimately aren't going to make a difference in eternity? And so this is a mature conversation. I'm not talking to baby Christians. If you just got saved last week or last month or whatever, this is like, what are you talking about? Just let it go. We'll get to it later. But I'm just saying as Christians that that if we say we know the Word of God, man, we got to be locked in, laser-focused on the mission of God like never before. Because what, what holds people together is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the Lord Jesus Christ himself and his indwelling spirit in people. It's not politics. It's not even mindsets. It's not knowledge. It is Jesus Christ and Christ in us. And the people that have that power, beloved, are us. We have the power because we have the spirit of God and we have the word of God and we have the church of God. And because of that, we're a threat to the devil. And again, just like a baby's born into a Christian or into a war uh, in a spiritual sense when someone's born again, so is the church. So disobeying and dismissing the word of God has dire consequences on the people and the nations to which God has sent it. Division, schisms, and outright wars break out, and many never realize it's actually just the wheels set in motion by people who, were ne- who either rejected the words of God or never receive the words of God. The priority is actually getting the words of God where they need to go. And in Amos, Amos, the, the, the prophet is saying, there's a famine that's coming, not of, not of physical food, of hearing the words of God. Ezra was a man who, who took note of that, and he did everything he could to compile the words of God, and it changed the course of the nation once again. Because the priority is ultimately getting the knowledge of God through the Word of God, the the quickening of the Spirit of God that comes to life when we believe the Word of God by faith. And so using our Old Testament example, the Jews quit expanding the kingdom of heaven for the glory of God and began preserving their property. They were divided and engaged in their their brotherly um, 
in brotherly combat instead of the enemy. At some point, they started fighting each other instead of going out and fighting the Assyrians, right? Instead of going out and fighting the Egyptians, instead of going out and taking care of business where it was needed to be taken care of, they started focusing inward on each other because they were worried about losing power in the case of Jeroboam and Rehoboam. And then, you know, all the ones that came after. They were divided and, and brother began to fight with brother. We've had seasons like that in our country. And of course, as you know, in recent history, and even currently, there is a, a, I'll say a spirit. I'm not talking about people. I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about there is a spirit at work to divide brother against brother and you against each other. And we've talked about that many sermons in the past. Fathers against the sons, right? Children against their parents, all of that. We ain't having it. We're not putting up with that. Why? Because we have the word of God. Assyria and Egypt fought, fought it out first. Ancient Egypt fell victim to Assyria just as God prophesied. Soon after Assyria ascended, Babylon rose up, and Nebuchadnezzar, right, that head of gold came, and man, he just took over. He just took over the Gentile world. Boom. And of course, after that, we get the prophecies of Daniel. We can trace that Gentile power all the way to where it is today, to Rome. Next week when you come, I'll talk about the major cities of the earth. And interestingly enough, when you look at, at all the statistics and all the major cities of the world, all the moving and shaking, all the biggest cities, everything that's happening, two cities are missing in the list of everything I re- researched. Rome and Jerusalem. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. But I'll save that for next week. There's all kinds of activity going on all over the world. What's going on? God is repositioning things because he has a plan to redeem people. All this military and geopolitical activity rotated around one city and one people, even if the Gentile powers didn't realize it. And of course, that people was the nation of Israel, and that city was the city of Jerusalem. So to this day, the kingdom of heaven is is being fought over, as Daniel prophesied, and it's self-evident in the course of history. And that's not the point of my message, so I'm not going to get too far afoot on that. But Matthew 11 and verse 12 says this, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Now what's important uh, is to rightly divide the word of God and understand when I say the kingdom of heaven, in the King James Bible, that's uniquely different from the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is, it deals with the covenant promise to, to Israel and even to Gentiles through Israel, and that has been on hold since the Jews rejected their Messiah. So right now we're focused on the kingdom of God. It's a spiritual kingdom. But beloved, the days are coming where God's going to put his attention back onto that promise of the kingdom of heaven. That's why you're seeing more and more violence, more and more activity. Things are ratcheting up. Why? Because we're coming to the close of the church age. We know that. The Lord's coming soon. It shouldn't surprise us. It shouldn't shock us. We shouldn't be like, oh! <gasps> You know, Amy and I were just visiting uh, yesterday about, you know, when we first got saved 30 years ago. It's just hard to imagine. I, I remember sitting, I used to work 12-hour shifts doing uh, maps for a cable company. And I'd sit in all night long, you know, I'd do my 12-hour shift, and I'd be drawn and what have you, listen to talk radio, and I'd listen to all this stuff. And I'm like, man, that could never happen in America. These guys are crazy. And now I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I remember all that. I, remember, I was a guy sitting there going, that could never happen. How are they going to do that? Of course, we could, you know, we had bag phones, not cell phones back then. I mean, it was just like, I mean, it was just a different world now. Oh, all that's happening and more. It's above what I could even imagine. It's coming down the train. The train's coming down the tracks. So what should we do? Well, we should do what we're supposed to do. We should use the influence that God's given us. We should love God's word. We should love people in such a way that the kingdom of heaven is such a con or the kingdom of god is manifest in such a way that it's a contrast to everything else that's going on because i tell you this the last stop's coming the last i mean listen beloved the train is is a moving and and we're trying to get everybody on board it's coming we got to get people into the kingdom of god because what's coming for the kingdom of heaven is more violence i'm just telling you i'm just report the news i don't make it i didn't write it I'm just reading it. So influential was the gospel in the first century that Paul and his disciples' uh, preaching was noted for turning the world upside down. In Acts 17 and verse 6, the Bible says, And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, These have turned the world upside down, and come hither also. 
Beloved, would to God we would be so effectual with the gospel preaching that when we show up somewhere to preach the gospel, that people would think, man, these people are upsetting the apple cart. I mean, these people are like, they are not yielding to anything but what the Bible says. That's scary, I know. I can see it in your faces. Brian, that's pretty extreme. Beloved, what's extreme is the love of Christ. It's the love of Christ. We don't love people if we don't tell them the truth. We don't love people if we don't get the gospel where it needs to go on time. We don't love people if we don't risk our own comfort to see people out of the fire of hell. There's a reason Paul concludes Ephesians 6 with military and political imagery. We are indeed in a cosmic conflict, and we are certainly ambassadors for Christ. He is our king, and, and this is his kingdom. And we pray that every knee should bow and every knee would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So the title of the sermon, right, is, is Real Churches Are Impacting Real War Zones. And when I first preached this in 2006, man, we hadn't even been to India. I, we hadn't even gone to India yet. And so my buddy Doug Pearson, he graduated from uh, the institute. Uh, he transferred out of our shepherd school, went to greater grace in Baltimore, and he graduates. He's like, hey, Brian, I'm going to Mumbai. Been praying for India back when we were preaching together at the City Union Mission, you know. Awesome, Doug. When you get there, let me know. Okay. And uh, by that time, God brings Randy here. Randy Foster just joined the team. He came back from Zambia. But this is before, that all happened after I preached this message on real war zones. So let me, I just want to share a little bit of our story in the time I have left. So when I first preached this in 2006, we hadn't even gone to India. Uh, Doug Pearson was still in training, and God was, you know, providentially preparing for Randy to come here, but Randy didn't know that. I didn't know that. Uh, David Pierce uh, wasn't even thinking about being a missionary. We were in, I just, we were in discipleship. Um, but one day, as Randy got here and everybody assembled the team, me, myself, Roger Heath, um, David Pierce, I think that was the team. I'm missing somebody on that 20, 2008 trip. So you had just gotten here, did you? You got here not too long. So we all head off to, Nepal, uh, to India with Doug. And we no sooner than get on the ground and, and go get a room in this monastery where we're staying the night. And there's this, this uh, Indian pastor is, is rooming with us. He's actually at this time not part of the Greater Grace Network, but he is a disciple of Doug Pearson who met him in the streets of Bangalore. And so Doug introduces, hey, this is my friend, uh, Pastor Pradeep. Uh, he's living in this place, Arissa. He's here. He's here. Because, well, the Hindus are persecuting the Arisen Christians and killing them. And, and, there's, and they're all hiding in the jungles. And uh, they need supplies. And so the church in Mumbai is giving them supplies. He's here to pick them up and take them back so they can eat and live and have clothing and all that as they hide out in the jungles. I mean, it's still a hot LZs. I mean, it's still going on at this time. And so I'm like, whoa. Real battles. This is a real battle. This is good versus evil. This is light versus dark. It's clearly something that needs to be engaged. And so I just bookmarked that, got to meet Pradeep, and just, just started praying about it. Pradeep and I began to, to talk on email. And I guess, what did we talk about? What do you think we were chatting about? Discipleship. We started talking about discipleship, discipleship. And we had plans uh, to bring folks out to Andhra Pradesh to train them and all of that because we couldn't go into Arisa. It was so intense. Uh, us, us Americans couldn't step in there. Uh, that would cause even greater problem. And so it was a real war zone. And I knew instantly that there, there was the devil was working hard and God was working hard. And that was a place that if God would have us, we should be invested. Now, let me just kind of take you where we're going. So we've been looking at, as we review where we were last week, I know you're like, you haven't got to your notes and we're done. I know. Don't relax. It's not going to take me long to finish this. So uh, HBF reality number seven, real churches impact real war zones. So each week we're stepping through this, right? Last time we got together, I talked to you about how uh, 
how do we really impact real war zones? Well, we do that by discerning God's strategic mission. You got to have discernment, right? We got to know where God's working and we want to get in on it. We can't be everywhere. So we got to go where God wants us to go. But it's not enough just to go where God wants you to go. Then you get in a battle. Yeah, count the cost before you go to war. And then you got to deploy, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Deploy God's strategic, strategic messengers. And then next week we'll talk about depositing God's strategic message. And so last week we got together and we talked about, we do this by discerning God's strategic mission. We looked at the Great Commission again, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you all, even to the end of the world. Amen. I'm not going to re-preach that message. You have the points there. we got to understand the conflict, right? It's a spiritual battle. We understand the strategic nature of the enemy. He is deceitful. He's trying to beguile us. We understand the strategic nature of God's deliverance, right? It's through the Lamb. The scope of the mission is to go ye therefore teach all nations. We start in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. We do it simultaneously, supernaturally, and strategically. And we also talked about how churches that impact real war zones must understand the strategic nature of God's mission. It's not just for the individual, but the whole church has to be about this. And by God's grace, we are about that. So that was last week. Now this week, as we talk about deploying God's strategic messengers, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 13. Turn to Acts chapter 13. And, uh, and as you're turning there, I just want to speak to you more about what God was doing uh, from you know, 2006, when, when this was first preached here at Heartland, as God revealed to us real war zones, real places to go. After meeting with Pastor Pradeep in 2008, God began a dialogue between me and Pastor Pradeep, and we talked about discipleship for about two years. And as those two years went by, the tension in Arissa began to, to ebb, and God went to work in defending his people, protecting them. Their prayers were heard. During that same trip in 2008, God led us to meet another key man that you all know who was here just a few months ago, Pastor Rajan Neapani. And uh, what you may not know is that we, uh, when we entered Nepal on our first visit, it was just months after the Maoists had taken the government over. And so they w- they w- a, few, we couldn't, a year or two earlier, we could not have probably entered. We might have been able to go to Kathmandu, but we certainly could have stu- we wouldn't have stood up and preached in a pulpit at that time. So there, 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 uh, uh, at that time, there was no constitution, and there wasn't for several, several years later, which allowed, through all that political chaos, the gospel to just expand. Beloved, as, as, as there's political chaos, it's a great time. When Christians are focused on mission, oh man, it's a great time to preach the gospel. It's a great time to present the kingdom of God. And get, not get bogged down in all the kingdom of heaven uh, fights, but focus on the, the one kingdom, the one that's still being offered through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and getting that message where it needs to go on time. Pastor Rajan has successfully been doing that since the Maoists took over Nepal. Nonetheless, right, in spite of all of that, man, it just multiplied. And, and you can ask Randy. Randy was there. Uh, man, I mean, it was just, it was small initially, but it has just exploded. God is just using uh, them in a mighty way. It was on the heels of these real battles and real war zones. These are real tangible things, things you could read in the news. Uh, they weren't always on the front of the page, but they're there. They're really going on that God placed the leaders of this church in a position to assess our roles in partnering to accomplish the mission of God and the will of God. I didn't even get into how God brought refugees to Kansas City and we planned a church. But all of that was about addressing real battles and understanding there was a spiritual war going on and we need to get the gospel where it needed to go on time. So today, we're celebrating what God has done through the Word First Bible Publishing Ministry. But it's not only what God has done, it's what God will do. And it's through these relationships that God led us to, uh, even in a closed country called Bhutan. And I still don't talk a whole lot about Bhutan because it's still a closed country and difficult. But even through that, God led us, and I say us, specifically Randy and I, to find ways to get the Word of God to places where it was not prohibited, or where it was prohibited, I should say, rather. And so we're out in Colorado meeting with a man who was, who was involved in a translation project and just listening to his testimony of, of not having a, a, a language that was written, going in and doing all kinds of odds through World War II, through all kinds of things, this man uh, 
eventually got to the place where he developed a language, translated the Bible, brought it to his people, established the churches, and there it is to this day. I mean, unbelievable. And we left that meeting, and I remember going down the highway with Randy, and we're talking about this. Man, we're just like, when it comes to Bible publishing, we just got to put the word first. This guy's crazy. He would just like, by faith, put the Bibles together, mail them off to people in Russia. Back in the old days, before the internet. He just got the phone book out and said, these people are lost. They're in an unreached place. Let's just mail them Bibles. Next thing you know, revival's breaking out. They get the word of God, and, and the word of God goes first and then they would follow up with preaching and next thing you know they'd have churches i mean god brought a revival if you know much about the afghan war right the, i'm not talking about the last one i'm talking about in the 70s when we were shoot, shooting those surface-to-air missiles at the ruskies uh you know what a lot those guys were demoralized but you know what was also happening there was a revival breaking out among the russians in part probably because of rochanga pudati mailing bibles to these guys i mean it was amazing what god was doing and so we were, anyway, I'm getting off on, on stories, but on the way back down the, the road to the airport to come home, Randy and I, we look at each other and we're like, man, if, if the Bible, we got to call the Bible ministry word first because we got to get the word first. The word has to be the, the, the priority. We got to get the word where it needs to go. We were inspired. I was inspired. I don't know. I don't want to speak for Randy. I was inspired. I think Randy was too. I was inspired by that guy. And it actually had us, but what prompted that Beloved, it was, was real battles. We weren't just looking for something to do. We were involved in real battles. There were really people that were translating the word of God in unreached places. I'm not talking about least reached, 2%. I'm talking unreached. Places where it's illegal, you go to jail if you have a Bible, even to this day. Oh, you can meet in your home, but just don't share the Bible with anybody else. That kind of, that kind of environment. I'm going to skip some of this because I don't need to talk about it. But subsequently, we assembled our first Bibles. Now we're in 2010, and we take this trip. The first Bible's off the press. I do the dumbest thing ever, right? In the middle of a conference, I leave. And, uh, but it was perfect. So our first Bibles get delivered to Bhutan. And uh, that's, in, that's, that's, that's where our first Bible's off the word first. Uh, that was our first conference, I believe, wasn't it, Randy? I think so. 2010. 12 years ago. And so our first Bibles came off, and we went to, uh, we went to uh, Bhutan, got to meet with some key people, and planted a gospel seed there. And all of that is in vain, by the way, if we're not f- faithful to the Word of God right here where we are, right here in the good old USA, right here in Cass County or Henry County or Jackson County or uh, Bates County, wherever you're coming from, we've um, got to be faithful right where we're at. And continue to train faithful men and women who rightly divide the word of God and rightly apply it to their lives so they can get the gospel where it needs to go on time. Now I ask you to turn to Acts 13. So in Acts 13, what God is doing there is, is, is there's, there's things that need to get accomplished. So God separates out key people to take this strategic message, message where it needs to go. And he uses a local church to do it. So in Acts 13, 1, the Bible says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menean, which had been brought up under Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, and they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereinto I have called them. God says, i got work for these key men. These are key messengers. i got to separate them out and send them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them away. You see, a healthy church that understands the mission of God will naturally reproduce ministers who can be dispatched to strategic war zones, spiritual or physical, so they can get the gospel where they need to go. Though Through the course of 2010 through 2019, HBF took numerous trips to India and Nepal to train pastors and leaders while planning two churches here in Missouri to reach out to our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and that are most parts of the earth. That's all off of just focusing for a little bit of time many years ago on the reality that God wants us to have a global impact by taking the word of God where it needs to go. So point A, strategic messengers are sent, beloved, from strategic local churches. Certainly God can use mega churches, but he doesn't have to use mega churches. He often uses the weak things to confound the wise. He often brings things to pass out of places that you would never expect. We don't go far past our salvation before we learn that there must be messengers to take the message of Christ. 
Romans 10, 14 says, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? we got to have preachers. We can't let everybody else do the job. There has to be individuals and there has to be local churches that are committed to the mission to the point that people will put their life in this book and they will go wherever God calls us to go. I'm not talking just short-term missions. I mean, they will give their life for whatever it is that God wants them to do. You saw a man in the pulpit last week. That's what he's doing. He could come back here and have an easy ride. He says, no, I'm going where God has called me to go. And beloved, we see these examples. They come in and out of here. Why? Because God wants us to partner with these type of people because these are people, when we hand them the word of God, they're going to take it where it needs to go on time. God is using the local church in a mighty way because preachers got to preach and they got to have Bibles and the people that receive the message got to hear the message. They need to read the message. They need to receive it in their heart language. The church at Antioch was a church plant from Acts chapter 11. The church at Antioch was culturally diverse, both the church and the leadership. The church at Antioch was sensitive to the leading of God's Spirit. All of that was true. In Acts 13 and verse 2, it says, As they ministered to the Lord, their focus was on the Lord. They fasted, right? They denied themselves. They sought the Lord, and the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul. These were men that were proven men. For the work whereunto I have called them. And, and when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they sent them away. They didn't do this lightly. They understood this. They meant business. They weren't sending a whole team of 200 people. They were sending a couple of key men, just like Jesus did, two by two. And they're saying, listen, Lord, we're going to do this pattern the way you called us to do it, just the way you showed us to do it. We're going to take these two men that you showed us to send and we're going to send them and see what happens. And of course, what happens is by the time you get over to the Thessalonica, they're saying, these boys are turning the world upside down with this message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're so persuasive. Why? Because of their oratory skills? No. Because of their knowledge? No. And they had a lot of knowledge. It was because of the spirit of the living God that dwelled upon them and the reality that God was infusing them with his power, with his spirit, with his word to accomplish his mission in time. Beloved, you are here on time. For whatever reason, God has delivered you to this day, to this place, to this church, to get on a mission and go, because time is short. I believe this with all my heart. I feel terrible that I feel like, I personally feel like I am dropping the ball big time. I'm just being honest with you. I don't feel like we're doing what we need to do fully, like I'm the leader you need fully. I don't really feel like we're getting it done like I would love to see it get done. I'm just being honest with you. But the other side of that coin, (laughs) for some reason, somehow, I still believe God can get it done. And I'm not saying you guys are the best in the world. But beloved, we got to trust God in our IGO meetings. I was so refreshed. We went and visited with some friends yesterday. And on the way home, talking to Sam and Ellen, and uh, Sam mainly, I'm like, hey, son, we all got together when we was your age. And I was just thinking back, man. Richard wasn't saved. Kevin wasn't saved. Big Bill wasn't saved. I was going down the list. Rich Cummings wasn't saved. And you just get a couple fired up Christians that want to get together and play stupid games, have prayer and a devotion. The next thing you know, people will start getting saved. I mean, it's amazing. If you really believe the book, and you will not even understand what God's going to do with that. It just is amazing. God does incredible things, beloved. And I I, want to just encourage you to believe what God can do. As I was preparing this message, I'm looking back, I'm like, look what God's done since the last time I preached this thing. Holy moly. I'm getting ready to show you some examples. But I'll get there in just a second. Let me get there. Point B. Strategic messengers are called to strategic ministries. It won't take long. Go to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 and verse 15. Missionaries are called to take the gospel to specific that's your blank. Specific people and people groups. I'll talk about more about that next week, but just get that down. Specific people and people groups. I think broadly, I think in big picture, but ultimately you've got to narrow it down. You've got to say, listen, I'm going to invest my life, like we'll just use Doug since he was here last week, in this people group. I'm going to go to this nation, this, this people, this area, Transylvania. This is where I'm going to invest my life. In my life, God's called me to Cass County. This is where I'm at. This is where I'm investing my life. And y'all, you know, at some point you've got to just narrow it down and get, get to work. 
Missionaries do that. They, missionaries are called to take the gospel to specific people and people groups. Point two, Paul uh, was called long before he was prepared. This is, this is something I need to throw out to you all. Paul was called long before he was prepared. Paul was called long before he was prepared. Now, you say, but he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I know he was, but he wasn't ready. That's not, that's not what qualified him. He needed time with Jesus in the, in the desert. Acts 9.15, I'm not just saying this stuff. But the Lord said unto him, Paul, this is right after he got saved on the road to Damascus. Ananias is coming. This is what he's telling Ananias because Ananias doesn't want to even talk to this guy because he's a persecutor of the church. And he says, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul, he was still sitting there blind and, and wondering what was going on uh, when that message was given to Ananias. And God's saying, hey, Ananias, chill, man. I got Paul. He's going to do some things for me. He's going to suffer greatly. But I've I got to take him in the desert. I've got to spend some time with him. I've got to get him ready for that. It is possible that God is calling you right now. I, I totally believe that under the sound of my voice, maybe it's not even in the room. As a matter of fact, I know there's some of y'all in, in, in your past, you may have even walked up to me and said, man, pastor, I believe God's calling me. I just want you guys to know who you, or you are if you may be in the room right now. I pray for you because I believe in your calling. I, don't, I know some of you may wander far and you may go here and you go there, but listen, if God's called you, he's called you. And I know that you need to listen to what God's saying and you need to follow him because God has a plan for you and he wants to send you to some people. He even has some suffering set aside for you. How about that? Now, will you go? There's people that, that, that are waiting to hear the message. There are people that are worth suffering for. There are people worth sacrificing for. There are people that God wants you to give your life for so you can have just a little bit of taste of what it was like for him to step out of heaven and come to this world and the redemption that is at hand and the glory that will be revealed when we all get together around the marriage supper is going to be so incredible. And he wants you just to get a little glimpse of that. Answer the call. Take the next right step. Quit jacking or quit messing around with whatever it is you're messing around with because God's called you and get your life in order. I'm not talking, not everybody's, I'm talking about people that God is calling to really go all in. And I mean, get all in. Don't be stupid and rash, but be, but be smart about it and get your life in order and quit jacking, messing around. I don't know why I keep saying that. I don't usually say that. Quit messing around. I don't. That's not my vernacular. Quit messing around with, with whatever it is you're messing around with. Does that? A, I'm sorry. If, I'm serious. I am sorry if that's offensive because I, I don't usually. That's like my flesh jumping out. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Forgive me. And I don't want to take away from what I'm, I'm serious about this. Uh, if God's calling you. He's often got, I mean, you may not even recognize. You know, but you may be afraid to tell people. You know, and you've got to answer. Answer the call. Get prepared. Don't, using, don't use not being prepared as an excuse. Get prepared. It takes God, time for God to prepare missionaries, even... Of the cali- uh, even of the caliber of Paul, right? He had all this stuff going on, but it took time to get him ready. And it's not an accident or random that HBF is associated with key men and key cultures that God has been preparing all of us to partner with in missions, in, a, in, in his mission, because his mission is so much greater than us. It's greater than Brian. It's greater than Heartland. It's greater than you. It's greater than Doug, right? It's greater than the other Doug. It's greater than Pradeep. And the, all these guys were... T- it's a massive mission, and he wants all of us to get engaged and find our role. So let me give you some, some stats. Blah, 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 some stats. In 2006, we had 11 missionaries that we were supporting as a church. I pulled these from my notes. We had Brett Blake Anderson in Mexico City, Brian Clark in London. We had Jeff Barker in Canoas, Brazil. We had Jim Mell in El Salvador. We had Alan Easton in Cali, Colombia. We had Harold Hatman, who we'd sent to Brazil, just man, he just fresh out in 2007. Uh, we had Mark Heckman in Taiwan. We had David Nebel at that time in Belarus. Derek Thomas in Lithuania. And um, in the Middle East, we had met a man named Sam Strickland, and we were supporting him. And then there was this guy named Randy Foster. 
and Julie that were in Zambia. And in 2006, when I preached this message, that was, that's what our missionary list looked like. Now, the list in 2022, I just was like, whoa. Flip that slide, please. Those dots are everywhere. Yeah, I know. I was, I was surprised myself. And, of course, um, you can read the list. I'm not going to read through all of those, but uh, one of the reasons why is because my list isn't in the same order as that one. But that is, uh, on this, I had to separate it out. You have, we have them in North America, South America. You know, I can start at the bottom. Cody Walker, Jeff Barker. Um, uh, we have Dominican Republic. By the way, Steve needs six people. We need at least, it'd be awesome to get six people, four to six people. Join Steve, like, right away, please, after the service. If God's calling you to go to Dominican, tell Steve. He needs to know right now so he can get people booked to go on that trip, which is October, 1st of October. So we need to, we need to get that going ASAP. Um, and so we got that. We've got, um, uh, we got Oaxaca, Mexico. We've got here in, in the Midwest, of course, we, we're dealing with, um, uh, we got, not dealing with, we got Clinton. And uh, I'm trying to remember up there. Then we, I got Clinton, and where else am I pointing at there? Harrisonville, Shiloh. Oh, that's where we support Shiloh, the pregnancy center. So that's just here on this hemisphere. And when you get over to the 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 uh, the other side of the globe, I mean, that's just that's a ton of key people in key places fighting. Real, and you'll notice some of those are real battles. I mean, like really real battles. And if they're not in a real battle, they're right next door to a place, and they're sending messengers. Right, key messengers, just, just strategic message with strategic message into these key places all over the world. India, right? Uh, Argentina, we've covered Argentina. We got Romania. Uh, we've got uh, Davos City, Philippines. Now support India. Uh, there's Oaxaca. I covered that. That's on that side. There's Budapest, Hungary, San Domingo. We covered that. Uh, Bragara, Kathmandu, Nepal. Corona, Italy, Vietnam, Ireland, Sierra Leone. I mean, beloved, God has us involved in a lot of places in a small way, but still we're involved. There's veterans, wounded spirits. We're doing that as well. We're doing things here in the United States, as I mentioned. And on top of all of that, there's the Bible translation projects that are touching Albania. Uh, we're praying that Arion Vogli will continue to... to uh, get the Albanian Bible translated, the Chichewa Bible translated, and then we just heard about a new project uh, in uh, the Tonga language in Zambia, Africa, that they're praying will get translated. These are these are people groups that don't have or don't have a reliable word in their language and need a Bible translated in their language. So God has us involved in all of that, that stuff right now. So things have changed a lot. And that's really what I want you to see, beloved. You're engaged in a real battle. If you're part of this church... God is using you. What you do is important. Uh, how, I mean, how you engage is important because getting the gospel where it needs to go is, is what it's about, not just here but around the world. God has grown us in a significant way. And you can see how God has grown our vision and our partnerships and his mission. By God's grace, we'll get the job done of partnering with strategic messengers, right, and get that message where it needs to go. So let me close. And uh, next week will be in Acts chapter 16 and verse 9. And we'll continue to look deeper into, into how strategic messengers must take advantage of open doors. But today, as we pause here to reflect on how God has grown our partnerships to fulfill God's mission through training and sending partner, uh, and partnering with key men and key cultures, I want you to consider what God is doing right now. Right now. It's no accident that God brought Doug here last week and right in the middle of this message, as I mentioned earlier. And you know that... that uh, he has been ministering to people coming from a real war zone. And by God's grace, we'll be taking a trip to Rajnav next year and, and uh, aid in, in reaching the people in that region. But in less than a month, less than a month, right here in this building, right where you're sitting, God will have us assembling 30,000 30, Ukrainian New Testaments in Philadelphia in partnership with Bearing Precious Seed. Where are those Bibles going? Ukraine, which is a real war zone. A real war zone. You say, well, Brian, what's next? I don't know what's next. I know that right now God wants us to get these Bibles in a real war zone for whatever reason. 
and I didn't time all this. God has. And we're getting ready to go eat some, some awesome food and see the Bible publishing and all of that, and we need to do that. And as you do all of that here in just a minute, just think about what we're thinking, what, what's really going on. Is God is using you, and he's using us, and he's using very precious seed, and he's using a lot of believers to come together and impact real war zones. If the Lord tarries another you know, 10 or 12 years, and I'm preaching back through this message again, this series, I'd be interested to see what comes of all this, but I can't tell you what comes. All I can tell you is that Jesus is coming, and we've got to be after, after the business. So today, many are justifiably concerned about famine and, and all of those things, and there's a lot of things to be concerned about. But the concerns that we have to be focused on, beloved, is the kingdom of God concerns why we have time to be focused on them. And that doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's, it, it won't require sacrifice, beloved. We may have been dealing with so many of our brothers that have been sacrificing and, and dealing with difficulties just so we ourselves know how to deal with difficulties and stay on mission and multiply mightily under the, under the most difficult of circumstances. We don't know what tomorrow will bring, but we do know that Jesus is coming. And we can, be, we can rest in that. So as we await the return of the Lord to catch us away, we may be, uh, we need to be intentional to advance toward the, the places the, uh, and get the gospel where it needs to go. Because we don't want to be like Israel. We don't want to be like um, all divided up. We don't want to be all disunified. Beloved, we've got to come together as one man. And when the Bible conference comes in a few weeks, we've got to be all about the business of getting the word together. And then, you know what? God's going to open doors for more mission trips. We need to get people to, to, to the DR. We need to get people to... Uh, Oaxaca. We need to get people to Romania next year. We need to get people to Bo- we got We're going to Boston at the end of the month. We got to get people where they need to go so the message goes where it needs to be on time. So come back next week and look at the practical ways and the places we must pray about getting the strategic message to, as uh, God puts in our in, in our stewardship the very words of God to be a part of getting His word in the hearts and the hands of people who need to hear it the most. So are you guys on board with this? Yeah, I can't even do this. I'm so fired up about it, I can't even preach it in one message. But I'm just telling you, guys, God's doing some awesome stuff. So let's stand together, and uh, we're going to close this out in some prayer. And, uh, and then we'll have a few announcements, and uh, we'll get ready to go eat. Heavenly Father, we thank